Hi, welcome to NDE TV. I'm Peggy Robinson. Today's guest is Jeffrey McCall, and he has had a spiritual transformative experience that will blow everybody away. Hi, Jeffrey. Hey, Peggy, thank you so much for having me. Um, so I'll just kind of go into a little bit of my life. Um, I grew up in church and I always grew up hearing about God and hearing about Jesus, but I never knew him. You know, I never experienced him. And I find that so many people all over the world, we hear about God, but until we like have an encounter with him, it doesn't mean much to us. It's just like, if we hear about something, we don't know. And so growing up in church and, and throughout my life, I dealt with homosexuality. I've, I felt that internally that that's who I was. And uh, I also felt what today is called transgenderism, um, that I was in the wrong body. I always felt more female, more feminine. And so for years, I identified um, as a homosexual out gay man and lived my life. And during that process, I, I, I always had this inner feeling inner conviction like something wasn't just uh quite right and so it made me go into drugs and alcohol started abusing drugs and alcohol to a point where i became uh heavily addicted to crystal meth for years would stay up four or five days at a time um get up go, or go to sleep and then get up and do it again and so i went to college in georgia and later i went to graduate school and while i was in graduate school is actually when i began living transgender um, I started seeing a psychologist and a psychiatrist who diagnosed me with gender dysphoria. And they said, you can start the hormones, you can start the surgeries, all of this, and this is who you really are. So I started going by the name of Scarlett. I like the name Scarlett and it was different. So <laughs> I just picked it. And I started living in Scarlett. I started going to some of my graduate classes at Scarlett. I started going to uh, you know, out to, uh, at one point I even quit really going to gay bars and we'll go to what, you know, would be considered, um, where more heterosexual bars clubs would be because I truly identified as Scarlet, that I was really a woman, um, in a man's body. And so I noticed though, I was doing what everybody told me to do. I was transitioning, you know, into a woman, like, like the doctors told me I need to do, and this is who I really am. And, even had friends and even some family tell me like, oh, this is who you really are, you know, just embrace it. And it was during, in the midst of, of this part of my life while I was living in Scarlet, um, I had an encounter with God. I usually every weekend, like I went out with a guy or had guys come over and would party. I was, I was really, really, really promiscuous during my life with Scarlet. I know that all transgender people are not <laughs> promiscuous, but I personally um, was very promiscuous and the whole, a lot of, the transgender identity that I felt uh, stemmed from a sexual gratification to be with men and pull men and that men were attracted to me as Scarlett. And so uh, I was actually having an affair with a married man um, during this time. And I had begun drinking like I had never drank before. I'd always partied into drugs and eventually got off the drugs. But when I was drinking, during this time as transgender, I, it, it was like, I felt the more that I went into transgender, the heavier I felt, the more suicidal I felt. There was times when I was extremely suicidal um, and I felt depressed a lot. I was going through a lot of depression. So I was drinking for that. And so that weekend that I had this encounter with God, I didn't go out or have someone come over, which was unusual. I was at home alone. 
and I lived alone and I walked through my hallway. And when I walked through my hallway and into my bedroom, I just fell back on the bed. And as I laid, just laid on my back on the bed, I just started weeping and crying. And I, I just felt like I was done. I, I felt like I was at the end of my rope. I didn't know what else to do. And just previously months before that, I had tried to commit suicide and um, people found out about it for help. And I actually had to spend time in a psychiatric facility on suicide watch. You know, they kept me there for like 48 hours or something. And um, so that night, like I, like I said, I've been going through a lot of suicide and depression. And when I fell back on my bed and started weeping, I started crying. I said, God, I know I've met these people in my life and they have love and joy and peace and like everything's okay with them. And I, and I literally remember thinking it's always like these people that say they're Christians or born again. It's like those people, I feel like they always have love and peace and joy and all these things. And I was crying. And uh, the last thing I said to God, I said, my thoughts were racing. I was speaking this prayer out loud and crying all at the same time. And the last thing I said to God was, but will I ever live for you? Will I what? Will I ever live for you? Oh. And to this day, it's just so interesting that that's what came out of my lips. Like, will I ever live for you? It was almost like I knew that I wasn't living for the Lord. I wasn't doing, you know, what his plan for me was. And so it's so bizarre to me to this day, like that I said that, but I said, will I ever live for you? And all of a sudden, Peggy, it was amazing. Um, a peace and stillness came in, in the room, in my mind. All my thoughts went silent. I was 29 years old at this time. And I heard God's voice for the first time. And he said, it just ran across inside of me. Not like outside, audible. it was like inside of me. I felt it. I heard it. And he said, yes, you will live for me. It just like spoke inside of me. Yes, you will live for me. And honestly, even every time I tell the story, looking back, it's like, I just remember that feeling of being like, why would God, like, I'm so sorry. That's okay. It happens. Someone called. And if they call back, I'll hit in. But um, I said, when he said, yes, I would live for him. I remember say, thinking in my mind after that moment, it was surreal because here was this God that I heard of that supposedly put the stars and the moon and the sun into orbit and the earth. Like, why would he take time to talk to me? Here I am calling out to him, asking for help and direction. And he spoke to me and we're, we as humans could be so fragile that God takes time to speak to us. And we're like, wait, why me? Why would you know? Like, what? Like, it's like, that easy. Yeah. Yes. And I remember just being dumbfounded. Like he just spoke to me. He took time out for me. When I later started reading the Bible for myself, I found the scripture that says, basically the broken hearted to a broken and contrite heart, he will not turn away. And I realized that night for the first time in my life, I had humbled myself before him and I was broken before him instead of coming in pride. And I know what's right. And I know this and everything's my way. What I feel when I humbled myself before him and my heart was broken and contrite, 
the Lord doesn't turn that away. Written thousands of years ago in the Bible. I mean, it was, and I didn't know it at that time. When I read it later, I was in shock. I was like, that's, that's what happened to me that night. I, I was broken and contrite before the Lord and he didn't turn me away. And that really changed. That was the beginning of a change in my mind of who God was. Because growing up in church, when I heard about homosexuality, a lot of it was like, they're just going to burn in hell. It's sin. And that's the it. And I never, I never heard someone's testimony that became a Christian from the LGBTQ and that had found peace and hope and fulfillment and love in Jesus Christ. I just heard that it was bad, you know, and I don't even judge those people. I feel like those people were just doing the best they could and taking what they could from the Bible. I think that's what can be so dangerous about taking the scriptures without the Holy Spirit. Paul even wrote that the letter, the letter without the spirit is dead. And Jesus, one of the most powerful things I ever read about the scriptures from Jesus is what Jesus himself says in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, he says to certain people, they're quoting all these scriptures at him. And he says, you come to the scriptures to find me, but you won't come to me. And the first time I read that, I was like, wow, maybe wow. the way we view God, sometimes we're, we're quoting a scripture, we're saying a scripture. And Jesus literally was telling all these religious people that were trying to correct him with the scripture. He says, the scriptures are about me. And, and Jesus tells them, he says, you, you come to the scriptures to find life, to find me, but you won't come to me. And I learned that the God that I thought in my mind growing up isn't the God of the Bible, isn't the father of Jesus, that when we read the scriptures through the Holy Spirit and through the lens of grace and truth and love, we see the real him. And, you know, even in, when Jesus was tempted, it says that the devil came and started telling Jesus these scriptures, like, if you're the son of God, do this. If you're the son of God, make this bread and all this stuff. The devil was using scriptures that were written to tempt Jesus. And so I just, that whole, after that encounter, I didn't just leave my transgender identity or my identity as a gay man for probably, it was about three or four months later that I took all my stuff as scarlet. I took my clothes, my hair, my makeup, my shoes, my extensions, my wigs, everything. And I just went to this dumpster and I threw it away. I felt just the grace to throw it away that I'm really Jeffrey and that I'm fine how God created me and that he created me for a destiny and a purpose and created me for love and to love people and to help people not be selfish and worrying about the things I'm worried about. And so it was also about three months later, I really held on to my homosexual identity. Like I'm, I'm gay. This is who I am. There's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing I can do about this. This is just who I am. And you know, the Lord is so patient and validates all that. The Lord knew that I felt attraction to men that didn't stun the Lord. He knew, he knows about all of our different uh, sin or things that we struggle with. He, he doesn't hate us. He loves us. And that summer I realized for the first time, Jesus as the person that died for my sin, like really knowing him, really knowing that this whole time he'd been fighting for me, this whole time he'd been protecting me, this whole time of my life before I knew him, that he loved me. And it was then that I surrendered my identity as a gay man and said, I want your identity. I want, what does the Bible say I am? What am I supposed to do with life? And now it's been, it was 2016. So now it's been, uh, this year will be six years. And the main thing that God has always done in this six years 
is remind me at the end of the day, it's actually all about love. Even people that identify as LGBTQ, I have so much love for them. I don't feel them as an enemy. I feel them as people, I see them as people that Jesus died for. And a lot of people in that community sometimes are really bad at me. And they say that, you know, you have to be gay. You need to be transgender. You need to be scarlet. You need to be this. You need to be that. Like, how could you betray yourself? And I'm like, I don't feel betrayed. I feel the most peace and love and all those things that I wanted that night that I asked the Lord. I feel peace and love and joy with these certain people. He gave that to me when I was born again through Jesus. And now I literally have so much love for people. And don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect. None of us are. We all make mistakes. We all, you know, sometimes say things we shouldn't or we just, we just all fall. We're right. all you know, humans. But I have never had a love since before this encounter and following Jesus that I have now. I literally, like, sometimes I feel like I'm going to burst. Like, I just want to love everyone. I want to, like, make everyone feel special. I don't care if they agree with me. If they don't, I don't care what their beliefs are. Like, I literally, like, sometimes I will literally be in a room and I try to find, like, the one person that, like, no one's talking to or, like, that just, I can tell. I, like, I sense things now, like, what people feel if they feel rejected or, like, an outcast. Like, I want to go to that person. I want to include them in the group. I want them to feel welcome. Like just seeing people in general, like I just have this love. I never had this love in my old life. I never had it. I wasn't like an evil person that hurt people or anything like that on purpose, but like I didn't have a love for people. And reading my Bible later, I found out the Bible says God is love. God is love. And in First John, it talks about people that don't walk in love. They don't know God. You have to walk in love. And I believe in a balance of grace and truth all of it in love tell the truth but also share um share grace with people and and the lord taught me grace and truth through the story of the woman in the bible that was about to be stoned she was caught in adultery she was caught in sexual sin and when they busted out the stones they were ready to kill her when i read that story the lord started showing me i showed her grace first and i told them all you don't have sin if you don't have sin throw the stone if you do don't and they all had to drop their stones because nobody's without sin. And then the Lord reminded me and I, about the truth because it says Jesus looked at that woman and he said, where are your accusers? He showed her great love and grace. And then he looked at her and he said, the truth, he said, go and sin no more. You don't have to live a life of adultery. You can be free. And when we walk in love, we actually don't want to hurt anyone. And if we do hurt someone, it, we feel remorse. We feel horrible afterwards and so my whole life now is about walking in love and sharing my story with people and sharing love with people that's awesome thank you that's beautiful now the day that you decided to go ahead and throw the stuff in the dumpster did something prompt that to happen that day did, did something happen or yeah i woke up that day and I just felt like a grace to do it that I'd never felt. I felt like it was just time to let it go. And like I said, when I let a lot of those things go that I was holding on to, that's when I found more peace and more love and more joy. It's like everything as the process went on that I let go, that's when more love came in and more peace and all those things. But yeah, that morning, nothing like specifically prompted it. I just felt like in my spirit, I could do it, which I never felt before. I felt like this is who I really am. And there's nothing that can change this. 
But that's the thing with God. With God, all things are possible. Things you never thought would happen, happen. And I'm like, I think that him having me lay down Scarlet was the beginning of realizing, like, me as Jeffrey, I'm valid as a person. I'm loved by him. He created me as Jeffrey. Like, I feel like a part of me that was actually searching for love was always trying to become something else or feel love from men when I didn't know that Jesus had that love for me. I didn't have to look for that in men and relationships that Jesus Christ, the son of God, loved me as a person that he died for me. There's no greater love than to die for someone. His love is so different from what the world calls love. People don't die for people. People don't do, people won't even help people most of the time that he would die and have his bloodshed and be beat and mocked and crucified. And then after all that, the Bible says he had the sin of the world put on him on the cross. He wasn't just went through all that stuff. He had the sin of the world so much that for the first time, Jesus said, father, where are you? Have you abandoned me? Because the father's spirit in that one second withdrew from him, the separation of sin and God. And when I learned that love, that love is what has sustained me. I think that if I would have I know that if I would have become a religious, mean person, just trying to be religious and do this in my all own strength, I probably would have went back a long time ago. But I've never went back, no matter what I've messed up, I've never went back to that identity because of his love, because I know what he calls me. And what God calls us is a lot different from what we call ourselves in the world. Have you found a fellowship, like a support system with your, you know, Bible study and things? Yeah, so I have a local church I go to here, and then I actually, I started an event called Freedom March. We have went now in like seven downtown cities. We've been in LA, DC, St. Paul, Orlando, West Palm Beach. We have three coming this year, DC, Dallas, and Atlanta. And I gather other people that have stories like mine that left the LGBTQ identity to follow Jesus. I want their stories to be shared because a lot of people in church don't let them share. They're not comfortable with those stories or they don't want to let those stories out because they're scared it will offend someone, you know, that maybe is pro LGBTQ. And so, and then the world is totally against my type of story, like the mainstream media and stuff like that. So the Lord laid it on my heart after only like a year serving the Lord and following him. He said, I want you to start a place where those stories can come together and be told. So we have this huge network family. It's called Freedom March. And we literally have hundreds and hundreds of people. I've met people. I just talked to a lady in England yesterday who had an amazing encounter with God and she's totally living a different life. And like, we just built this like family of fellowship and we do Bible studies together. We do worship and prayer together and we join in these cities. We always go outside. Like I get an outside venue and it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. And we release those testimonies in the public so people can hear. And we actually do praise and worship music while we're together and we worship publicly. So there's a great family called Freedom Freedom March, which we gather. That's and awesome. We, and we like lift each other up because like, you know, one girl may be going through something that one of the other girls would understand, you know, who left that identity in that life. And they'll be encouraging each other, praying for each other. You know, someone that was left the transgender life may come to me and be like, Jeffrey, I want to do this or I feel this. And where I'm praying and encouraging them. They're doing it for me when I struggle. It's such a family. And Jesus said in the Bible that they will actually know you're really my followers by your love and your love for each other. And so it's so amazing seeing what freedom families like. And we welcome everyone. We don't care if you're 
you know, whatever identity you're in, or you're still in the LGBTQ and don't even agree with us, like we welcome everyone to come. We welcome everyone to listen to stories. We just love everyone. And we want to see everyone just filled with God's Holy Spirit to be saved and to have love come in where everything else has been. Makes me think of the verse. I think it's Luke. It's, um, there will be more angels rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous who don't need to repent. You know, <laughs> I just think of the angels rejoicing with you all, you know, this is like, and you say, you know, the churches might not accept you. Well, it's not a church then because what greater rejoicing, you know, for someone who was that far, I mean, cause you had depression and drugs, prostitution, suicide, ideation, I mean, you were not, now your suicide attempt, were you close to death? I wasn't actually, I, I was so suicidal for about the last six months of my life is Scarlet. And one night I got extremely drunk and there was almost, I think it was God now looking back. Cause a lot of people would just go straight through with the suicide, but there was like this inner thing inside of me saying call for help i had found this suicide hotline or something like that for the school and i actually got to a point where i thought i i, I might actually harm myself right now and i literally called that number and they helped me they sent an ambulance i had to go spend like two days at the hospital to wait to go to the psychiatric facility to be evaluated by the psychiatrist and all that and so I, I literally think that was Jesus in a way saving my life even then because who who knows they're about to hurt themselves and then calls for help. You know what I mean? Like you didn't take an overdose or anything like that. You just called for help because you were suicidal. I was extremely drunk. When I came back to my apartment after I got out of there, there was glass busted everywhere where I had thrown stuff. I was angry. I was depressed. I was sad, suicidal. And it all stemmed from something that had went wrong with a guy that I was with. And that was a wake up call too, because it was like, how does someone control my feelings that I got to this, you know? And why do I feel this? Why don't I, why is, if everyone's telling me this is why I'm supposed to be, why do I not feel peace? Why do I not feel happy, joy, love? Like, why do I feel darkness, you know? Do you think and the so doctors and psychiatrists were wrong in kind of pushing you in that direction to become trans? I, I do. I. I share this a lot. When I met the psychiatrist, I only knew I had two different psychiatrists in my, I was in graduate school. So I have a, I have a bachelor master's degree in history. I was in graduate school getting my master's degree the time, the whole time I was living transgender. And the second psychiatrist I had from that, the state school provided it for free. The second psychiatrist I had, he knew me. I think it was like two months. My second one, the new one I had, he knew me two months and he diagnosed me with gender dysphoria. Wow. which is what you need to start. I, I literally could have started doing hormones. I could have started chopping, you know, my body and doing things like, because I had that encounter where God spoke to me, that's what, you know what I mean? Transition my life. I probably, if God would not have spoken to me and, and poured out compassion on me, I probably would have went through with surgeries pretty quickly. Wow. Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, now you've been on TV and I think you were on um, oh, the video you sent me that was um, it's on the tip of my tongue. 
um, 700 Club. Yes, I was. Oh, I can think it was Heaven. Yeah, 700 Club. That's pretty. That's achievement too, right there in itself. Yes, I I literally like got a, a contact from some someone there. Her name was uh, uh, Lauren, and she was amazing. And she said, "I I want to share her story." And so they came and filmed my story in Georgia, and it went on Seven Hundred Club. I've been on Daystar, which is a Christian television network, on the Joni Show, sharing about my book. I wrote a book called For Such a Time. And it's got my whole story in there and my encounter with God and uh, even just supernatural things that I experienced. I, I just, I just, when I got born again, it was like, it was like the veil was lifted. When people ask me, I tell them that, like, I started encountering supernatural things and started realizing that there's actually a, a battle between good and evil. I never knew that. My life was so... My whole life was just like go out shopping, party, so superficial things, nothing important ever. And then when I got born again, I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's a battle of good and evil. Like people's lives are on the line. Like I've got to tell people that God loves them. I got to tell people that he paid for them. He wants them. Like it was like this burning that I had to help people. I never had that before. Everything was about was selfish in my old life. But now it's just about God and other people more than just myself. Have you found love? Well, so many people ask that question. <laughs> I actually, I actually feel like I'm going to be celibate the rest of my life. And uh, when I first got saved, probably the first couple years, I really felt like if the Lord wanted me to marry a woman and have children, you know, I would love that. And I've always been, I'm still open to that idea if he wants that. But it's been really the, my fifth year is born again. And this past year, like the sixth year, I feel a peace on just being single and serving the Lord with my life. It's probably and what I know, you need right now. Yeah. That I know downtime. The Lord, yeah. I know the Lord caused a lot of people to get married and have beautiful families. And it's so beautiful, you know, how God does that. But for me, I think there are some people too that he, that he calls, he doesn't ever force us to do anything, but I feel like the Lord's given me the option. Do you really want to lay down your whole life with me where you serve me and that helping people and sharing me is the most important thing? And I just feel like I've answered that call. I've actually felt that the past year that I finally have answered the call to just live a celibate life and just focus on the scriptures, focus on uh, meditating on him, praying, helping people and doing this ministry. And I feel, I feel the, I, I, ever since I followed the Lord, I feel the most peace I've ever felt. Even everyone can have a bad day, you know, we all do, but I feel love and peace. And, uh, seems like you have joy. a calling. Thank you. <laughs> when I was born, this was kind of different. Uh, when I was born, my grandmother, uh, her name was Nieves. She was from Cuba. And my dad's like a Caucasian Southern guy. My mom is from New York City, Puerto Rican and Cuban. It's such a different mix. But when I was born, my Spanish grandma came to the hospital. And when she was holding me, um, she actually looked at my parents and said, he came with the bread in his hands. And my parents said it when I was growing up, like they, I had heard it in conversation, but I was like, what does that mean? Like my parents were like, I don't know what that means either. 
But when I got born again, the Lord started showing me in the Bible, what does Jesus say about bread? He says, he is the bread of life. And so I feel like, like she said, she just prophetically said that out. He's come with the bread in his hands. I feel like my life and what that bread is, is the most uh, precious thing there is in the world. It's Jesus. You know, even when we take communion, we think of the bread and Jesus's body telling people about Jesus, leading them to Jesus, showing Jesus. There's nothing in this world more important than Jesus. And so, like you said, a calling, if that's the calling, I'm ready to do it. I lived a whole, when I lived in the world, I went all the way. So when I live for the Lord, I want to go all the way and do everything. I mean, your last name is McCall, so. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that ever. <laughs> oh, I'm, wow. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. So are you incorporating this into your career is, is what you're doing? Is this separate or? Yeah. So in 2018, I, so after I graduated graduate school, I became a history professor. Like I said, I have a bachelor master's in history and I taught at Emmanuel college. It's a Christian college in Georgia. And it was during my first year of teaching around January of the second semester I taught, the Lord started laying on my heart, I want you to go in full-time ministry. I want you to be able to go where I need you to go and not have this, you know, nine to five type schedule where there's hours set and I had to be certain days at a place. And I remember, Miss Peggy, at first I was like, wait, that can't be the Lord because this is amazing. I went to school for this. I was telling students about my testimony. Some of them were asking Jesus in their heart and getting baptized. And like, <laughs> I felt so free at that college because they were Christian and they didn't like hamper me down. I taught history. And then my kids wound up, they loved me so much, I guess, because I was younger and I tried to make history fun that they had to shut the other teachers' classes off because every semester, like the semester before you pick classes, they were all picking me. <laughs> so they like had to shut my classes down so other classes could feel and then let me finish. And like, I was like, this is amazing, God. And God was confirming it nonstop. Like, I want you to be able to do whatever I say, go wherever I want you to go. And so in 2018, uh, I actually turned in my resignation. I finished teaching through my contract for the year and uh, I went into full-time ministry. And that was, I did a book and went on Daystar, 700 Club. I became friends with Phil and Kay Robertson. So Phil and Kay Robertson and Duck Dynasty, they're my good friends. I go to their house. Like awesome. they support my Yeah. And so like the Lord's just opened all these doors. Um, I'm actually in a, in a documentary on pray. It's called Pray Away on Netflix. Really? Pray, yeah. It's called Pray Away on Netflix. And they basically put me in there as kind of the complete opposite viewpoint of theirs. <laughs> They were basically saying, like, even if you leave this identity, you'll go back. And they were talking to all these people that that have done that. And so they kind of put me in there as like, well, this is the current movement of this. And, you know, people can mock me, make fun of me, do whatever they want. But it, it doesn't affect me. I had an encounter with God. Now it's been six years of, of following him. Like I said earlier, everything's not been perfect, but I, I love him and I follow him. And um, so, yeah, now I'm in full-time ministry and I just, I've been through... Miss Peggy, I've, I've driven through or ministered in, I think I've been in 34 states now. Wow. Since 2018, this is the fourth year. Just when the Lord, like I speak at churches, I speak at youth events, I've shared on television, I've ministered in gay clubs, outside gay clubs, inside gay clubs, telling people the love of God. Like, it's amazing some of the stuff that he's opened up. 
Now, does that community have a problem with what you're saying that, you know, that you're no longer this and do they think that shouldn't be said or? Yeah, so I have, I've gotten, especially since Pray Away came out on Netflix, I've gotten a lot of pushback where people are like, why are you saying this? I, I've had people tell me that I had blood on my hands, um, that I'm dangerous to people. And I always tell people, look, my, this is my story. I'm not going to quit sharing my story. And I tell it people, I was suicidal. I was suicidal. I wanted to kill myself. And from the day that I followed the Lord, I got set free from that. So does my life matter? Am I allowed to share my story? This whole thing today about every narrative has to be the same. And if you are anything outside the mainstream narrative, you're canceled or you're told to shut up or don't share. This is my story and I'm never going to quit sharing it. And what I've noticed about the LGBTQ community, there are always some people that get very mad at me sharing or say that I'm leading people astray or that I just need to be who I am. But then there are a lot of people in the LGBTQ that no one knows about that write me messages and emails and messages and say, I'm curious about your story. And, you know, I have felt this way and I've wanted to leave the identity and I never thought I could. Or I've had people say, you know, I secretly dealt with this my whole life and I just never told anyone. Can I like talk to you about it? You know, and I'm like, yeah, like I talk to everyone. I literally answer every email message, everything, and just talk to people, listen to people, listen to their story. I just went to dinner uh, yesterday uh, with a homosexual couple. And I listened to their stories and they listened to mine and we didn't agree on some things and we agreed on other things. And, you know, all that's everybody do, though, you know, yeah, we yeah all agree. So seeds. I can't do everything. Like I just sow seeds of God's love. I share what he can do. I share what Jesus paid for. And if people are mad and angry about that, that's, you know, their own issues they need to deal with. I can't, all I can do is share my story and, Literally, like Miss Peggy, you know, like people in the Bible, they first Christians, some of them were murdered for speaking. Like they put Christians in Rome and Colosseums with lions. They stoned Paul in multiple cities. Like things happen. And when we stand up for what Jesus says is right and wrong, sometimes things happen. And, you know, if something has to happen to me, what's the worst that can happen to me? My spirit will leave my body and go be with Jesus Christ. That's the best. <laughs> And all in all, I mean, I know to the world, it sounds horrible to die for something you believe in because they think this life is everything. But we all know in your whole show and you yourself, there's an afterlife. And, you know, when you follow Jesus and get to be with him forever, I, it doesn't matter if people reject me or even killed me for an opposite viewpoint. I would be with him. So I, I win every way <laughs> here, there, wherever. Well, I'm so glad you have a new community now. Thank you, Miss Peggy. And um, congratulations on all your success. Thank That's you. amazing. Thank you that so much. Really amazing. And it's amazing how it all started with, sorry, <laughs> you just asking God, you yeah. know, you just asked and he come and talk to you and, yeah. and, and you didn't change right away. And a lot of people don't, they'll stew on a while. I mean, change yeah. takes time. You know, I've heard of people having hell near death experiences and they'll say how they changed, but then they'll say, but it wasn't right away. You know, and yeah. still it, it took a while before they made that change. And you just got to process it, you know, because yeah. old habits are there. Yes. And every day we have to 
every day we wake up, we get to choose like, do we are we going to heed to his voice? Because <laughs> sometimes we want to do what we want to do, and sometimes we choose to do it. And you know what? At the end of the day, when you have that relationship with Jesus and you ask for forgiveness, he just forgives you. He's God is not this God trying to burn everybody up and and beat everyone that doesn't obey. Yes, God is serious about sin and he doesn't want us to do it because it hurts us and it hurts him. But at the end of the day, when we repent of something and ask forgiveness, he just forgives us and he wants to lead us in a better way. And um, you're so right. It's a, it's We all can just gradually grow and learn and change sometimes. Some people do it faster and I I applaud them. <laughs> I, want, I want to be quick to learn, but one of the main things I've learned in my walk with the Lord is we're just humans and man, Jesus paid the price. Jesus is the one that paid for sin. Not you, not me, not whoever thinks they're the most spiritual person or theologically correct person. They, they're not going to get in heaven on their own merit. It's because of Jesus. So I think what your story tells people is if he can do it, so can I. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because when you're in that lifestyle, that in that specific lifestyle, the LGBTQ stuff, it's so ingrained that that's who you are, that even if you have like feel a conviction or even if you feel a thought like, I want to live my life celibate or I want to live my life another way. Maybe the Lord has a wife for me or a husband for me. When you're in that lifestyle, you're so ingrained that this is who you are. And if you dare think of anything else, you're a, you're a bigot, you're crazy. You know, people start saying they hate you. And it's like, why? Why are people trying to control people that strong? People, if God gives people free will, then a human should definitely give people free will to choose what, what they believe and what happens to them. So it makes crazy. me think of like, you know, the alcoholic culture. People that's running to the bars and just drinking all the time. They don't want friends that don't drink. Yeah, They don't want those people around them. Are people that's on drugs. They don't want straight people, narcs, you know, around them. Yeah. And you know, it's that culture that keeps you in that culture. And no matter what it is, whether it's culture of crime or or even the religious cultures that says yeah. you can't do this and this and be in our church. You know, yeah. as a former Catholic, I decided I want to go to other churches and they would come out and say Catholics go to hell. And I'm like, my whole family was Catholic. You mean they're all going to hell? And so you know, and then you go back to the Catholic church. Oh, they, they don't want you because you've been going to Christian churches and everybody says don't judge. And they preach all this stuff, but they all do. They all put everybody in a box and you better not step out. Yeah. Oh, Miss Peggy, that is so amazing. You share that. Cause it's like, one of the things the Lord's been showing me is like, all of us through Jesus are united and we may be in different groups or we may be in a different church, but it's, Jesus, if Jesus has united us, then we're united through him. And I just hate that, that, you know, you experience that on both sides. Like, yeah, but I, I mean, you had to whole change your lifestyle and your wardrobe <laughs> and who you date. I mean, you had to change everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, gosh, it's all through Jesus. <laughs> so much of everything had to change for me. And, uh, Sometimes I think I, I've been feeling this from the Lord lately too, for all of us, it's just human beings. Like sometimes we need to stop and we need to think how far the Lord's brought us. Cause I feel like no matter how much filled with God's love we are, sometimes we can even be harsh on ourselves or 
you know, we're thinking things are the enemy. You know, we believe in the, in, in Jesus, God, the Bible. And, you know, we believe that there's a real demon realm and Satan realm and he hates us. And sometimes he just tries to bombard us with things. And sometimes you have to stop and say, Hey, Jesus died for me. I'm not invaluable. If the son of God would shed his blood for me, I must be worth something. I must be valuable. And look how far I've come. And, you know, lately the past couple of years, I've been going through some things and I'm like, well, gosh, I want to get more freedom in this place or more freedom in this place. It could be even little things have nothing to do with that. And I feel like the Lord's been reminding me this past month, like, look how far you've come. Like you are a completely different person through me and me and you and you and me, like you're completely different in so many ways. And yes, we'll work on other things too, but it's a journey. It's a, while we're on earth, it's a journey. There's a lot of things we have to go through. There's a lot of transformation we can go through with him, but sometimes we need to quit being so hard on ourselves and be like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm a person I'm valued. Like it's okay. Everything and forgive ourselves forgive ourselves and it's cool that you're just welcome everybody like they don't have to stop being trans they don't have to stop being gay they don't have to stop being heterosexual or whatever they are just come on let's go do this we're praising god <laughs> yes we invite everyone because i want everyone to experience his love and his transformation and only god can do that i can't do that no human can do that a pastor can't do that we can be vessels of God and share the gospel and share Jesus and share his love. But it's the Holy spirit. I believe that comes in and transforms our lives and we welcome everyone. And I won't allow people to not be welcome. And it reminds me of what Jesus said to the religious people in his day. He said, you even block people from coming and being like a part of what he's doing. You block people from even going into his presence because you, it, Jesus told them, he said, you put burdens on them that you don't even yourself do. And when I read that, I'm like, that's how I want my ministry to be. I want everyone to be welcome. I'm not going to put burdens on people. I'm not going to tell them to do this and that. I'm going to share my story. I'm going to share what the Bible says. I'm going to share what the Holy Spirit is putting on our hearts. And everyone's welcome. And people can come in and out as they please. I, I'm not God. I'm not going to judge these people. God will judge everyone. And that's not my responsibility. I want everyone welcome. I want everyone coming to here. And I want everyone to feel welcome. Now, do you I, I have a church? That. Are you a minister or pastor? Yeah, so I'm in full-time ministry. I have two nonprofits. Um, uh, Freedom March is a 501c3, and then I have For Such a Time, where For Such a Time is where I travel sharing my testimony. I go to churches, I minister in the streets, all that. And then I have a local church I just started going to. And for years, I went to a bigger church, uh, Jensen Franklin's church called Free Chapel. And it was an amazing church. It's about an hour and 15 minutes from my house. So I quit going there as much when I'm traveling. I'm gone on a lot of Sundays speaking at churches. So now here lately, I've been going to a local church here too. So yeah, I love, I love going to church. I love, and I love going to different churches and meeting different people and seeing different um, ways that people do things. Uh, one time the Lord started showing me like, if he started showing me like, take, take the best of every church, take the best thing of every denomination. Each denomination has one thing they do better almost than any denomination. Take all that and put it together and it'll be the best. And so like, I, I never forgot that. I never forgot. I've actually never shared that really publicly, but I've never forgot that. And I look at different churches and de different denominations and there's a lot of things that maybe sometimes I don't agree with them on, but there's always something they do really well that they've stewarded it. And I try to take it in my ministry and say, I want to take this good thing and this good thing 
and pull it all together for Jesus. And so that's what I do is just work across the lines. Well, your energy is amazing. Your positivity. It's hard to picture you uh, depressed and drugs and all those things that you were. I mean. It was totally different. <laughs> I was very depressed. And there's old pictures. Uh, you can see it in my eyes. My eyes are like, and a lot of my old pictures are scarlet, especially my eyes are like dark, like just the heaviness around my face. Um, now I'm just. I'm just a different person completely. It's so what your, different. What does your family say? Well, my mom and dad are both Christians. So when I got born again and they saw everything in my life change, they were like so happy. <laughs> and my parents been amazing. My dad helped me so much in my oh. old life. Even when I was suicidal, when I was suicidal, I lived about three hours from my dad and he would drive up. He would literally like leave everything and drive up. There were several weekends where he just spent with me. And just was being with me, which that is Christ's love in him because he was already, you know, living for the Lord. He was saved. And so my mom was always supportive too. And then I had a lot of family members that don't necessarily live a born again, you know, Christian life, but they all honor and respect me and they all know something changed. They can see it. You know, one time I was talking to my brother's girlfriend and she was just like, she doesn't have any kind of really religion. Uh, she grew up in Miami in the city, just a different life. And she looked at me and she, and they were asking about my story. And she said, Jeffrey, when you share your story though, like you literally like glow from the inside out. Like I feel like the love of God, like, and she had no religious like background or anything. And so like, that's what I think it is. I, it's the light in us. Like literally the light in our eyes is like God and his love. And it just comes out, you know, you can't fake love. I've seen people and grew up in church and saw a lot of things that have been in a lot of churches now after I was born again. One thing you cannot fake is love. You either have love or you don't. Well, I love it. Before we started, you said you can ask me anything. Yeah, you know, I'm open. You can ask me anything. I love that. My life is completely open. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's just so funny how we just got talking on Facebook and it's like hooked up and let's do this. And so yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Peggy. Like I said, before we started a recording, I watch your show all the time. So I've seen oh. so many. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. When you first start talking, it's just like, oh, I like your show. I was like, okay. You know, <laughs> And here we are. So I, I will be praying for you and I wish you all the best. Thank you, Miss Peggy, so much. God bless you too. And I'm going to watch you on Netflix now. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye.